Have y'all ever heard the old saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? You ever heard that? Sure you have. Um, well, I had a friend many, many years ago. She's since moved to New Mexico. I haven't talked to her for a long time. But she just loved researching the origins of these old sayings. Now, back in the day before the advent of the internet, um, that was not always the easiest thing to do. But um, with the internet, it just takes a little pusher here or there, and you can find just about anything, right? With that old Google machine, right? So I did that this week. I wanted to find what the origin of don't throw the baby out with the bathwater was, and this is what I found on the internet. Apparently, back in the 1500s in Germany, people only took baths one day a week. You ever heard that? Any of you ever do that? Don't admit it, okay? <laughs> and another thing that apparently they did was they, um, they took baths. They used the same water. And then they took baths according to birth order. So if you had a big family, the baby was always the last one to get a bath, which meant the water could get a little murky towards the end. <laughs> Thus, they came up with the saying, don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Kind of gross, right? I shared that with Lisa, and she just says, that's pretty gross. But here's the good news. It's a lie, apparently. That is not the truth. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, I, as I was searching the internet, they, couldn't, they never really did, were able to come up with the origins of that. But no matter what the origins of that old saying are, the truth of it is still the truth. And the truth is this, um, in our haste to get rid of uh, something distasteful or undesirable, be careful not to throw out that which still has value. Did you hear that? In our haste to, to uh, cleanse ourselves of things that, that we think we have no purpose for anymore, don't be so hasty that you throw out something that does has, have a purpose. The reason why I share that with you this morning is because um, as we continue our journey through Jesus' parables, the parable that we're going to be looking at today um, is illustrating the truth of that old saying, don't throw the baby out with bathwater. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Matthew chapter 13, uh, which is found on page 973 of your church Bibles, if that's what you're using. And... Um, as you're doing that, I will give you a little context for um, the parable that we're going to be looking at today, which is the parable of the weeds. In Matthew chapter 13, um, you may remember from a few weeks ago, I actually preached on another parable that included weeds. It was called the parable of the sower. Do you remember that? And actually, it was in Matthew chapter 13 as well. And Jesus, just as a recap to the parable of the sower, basically the seed that was planted represented the, the Word of God, the truths of God, and then the different soil that the seed could be planted in represented the condition of our hearts to receive that seed, and whether or not we would produce fruit depending on the condition of our heart. Well, here in um, Matthew chapter 13, 
Jesus tells another farming parable. Remember why he tells? When Jesus was smart enough that when he told stories, he wanted to use illustrations that the people he was speaking to would be able to relate to. And most of them came from a rural background, so they, they would get these farming analogies. Here in chapter 13, he gives another farming analogy, and it is, as I said, entitled the parable of the weeds. Um, and we're going to start at verse 24. We're going to read it together, and it starts like this. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the the plants came up and bore grain, um, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did, did you not sow good seed into the field? And, and how, how then does it have, do we have all these weeds? And he said to them, the enemy, my enemy has, has done this. So the servant said, what, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to go and gather them out? But the master said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Did you hear that? Don't go and pull out the weeds from among the wheat because you don't want to disturb the wheat, the, the, the roots, right? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's both grow together until the harvest. In the harvest time, I will then tell the reapers to gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into the barn. Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a second. As we remember, when it comes to parables, what did Jesus do? Oftentimes, when he was telling these, when he was giving these sermons and using these, these stories, he would just tell the story and just let it lay there. Um, he, he didn't always give an explanation to the parable. But if you were to ask, he always did. James chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Those who lack wisdom, let them seek it from the Lord who gives to all abundantly, if only they would ask. It's a good lesson. If you're wondering what you should do in any circumstance, seek it from the Lord, right? The disciples were smart enough to, even though they didn't understand the parable of the weeds on its surface, it says that one day they came to him, and we'll go on, that starts in verse 36. Jesus says that, or the, the Bible tells us that the, the uh, um, disciples came to Jesus just like they had done before. And they said, Lord, would you explain to us the meaning of the parable of the weeds? And he does. Starting in verse 37, he says, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. So the master in the story is Jesus. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom, those who believe in God, those who believe in Jesus. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil himself. The harvest is in the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. And just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And then he concludes by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. If I were to take all of that and boil it down for you um, in a simple way this morning, basically what I would say to you is this about the parable of the weeds. Um, There is evil in the world. It seemed like such an obvious truth. But I think sometimes we are surprised by it. I think some of us think it's a new thing. Back in my day, people sure didn't act like this, right? You ever heard anybody think like that? You probably have thought like that. You know what Jesus is telling us in this parable? There was evil back in your day too. Because evil has always been around. The devil and his minions have always been around and he's always been sowing weeds among the wheat. And here's the good news. In those times when it feels like evil has got the upper hand, Jesus wants you to remember that God wins. Did you hear that? Somebody say amen. Yeah, thank you. Because there are days when I watch the news, do you feel this way? Is there days when you watch the news and you think, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, right? You need to remember in those moments, lest you become overwhelmed by the circumstance of this life, that Jesus wins. When it feels like evil has overwhelmed you, Remember, Jesus wins. All right? That is good news. When all is said and done, Jesus wins. And because Jesus wins, you win too. Having said all that, there's there's something else in this parable that kind of disheartens me. As I was, you know, when Jesus described the fields, he says, what, what is the meaning of the fields? He says, the field is the world. And that, that these, um, these weeds have been um, scattered throughout the world. Plants from the devil, right? I had a, this revelation this week. I'm going, you know what? The church is a part of the world. Have you ever thought about that? It's the truth. Jesus himself tells us that in the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. There will be those that call that say, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, get away from me, I never knew you. There are weeds in the church. I was talking with Mike, and he was telling me that um, he heard a sermon um, years ago where, you know, if in some translations, instead of using the word wheat, they use the word tares. Have you ever heard of that? Wheat, the wheat and the tares. He says, and I checked him, by the way, that that a tear is actually a kind of weed that when it's young, you can't tell the difference between it and a wheat plant. I didn't know that. But it makes sense, doesn't it? And it's only when it grows into maturity that you begin to tell the difference between the weed and the wheat. I, I don't know about you, but I've always been one who is um, distrusting of institutions in general. I, don't, I hope none of you are like that, but that's who I am. 
Um, but I've always wanted, I've not wanted to put the church in with all those other institutions. But it would be naive not to. Because the church has weeds as well. And sometimes within the church, it's hard to tell the difference between the weed and the tares. Between the wheat and the weeds. So, you know what God says to that? You see, our temptation might be to say, well, you know what? If I can't even trust the church, I'm just done with them all. Right? I'll just just be me and Jesus. You ever heard the old saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? Don't do that. You need me. And I need you. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just don't be stupid. Matthew 10.16, that's exactly what Jesus said. Have you ever read that one? Jesus says, be as wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Right? In essence, in that, in that little verse, Jesus is saying, trust but verify. As your pastor, I hope you trust me. But you should verify what I have to say too. Last week, you may remember, I was I quoted a scripture from Romans chapter twelve saying that there God says that the angels or that that God has maintained a remnant of the Jews for a purpose. Remember when I said that, right? And then so after church, someone came up to me and they said, Pastor, it doesn't say that in Romans chapter twelve, and he was right. It actually says that in Romans chapter eleven. <laughs> Trust, but verify, right? Why was there only one person that came and called me on that? (laughs) Some of the rest of you are just thinking, he's just stupid. (laughs) Another thing that we can watch out for is something called what I like to call theological gymnast. Do you know what a theological gymnast is? I'll give you a perfect example of what a theological gymnast is. Um, The devil himself. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, you know what that says? You know the story. You may not know the address, but you know the story. And in Genesis chapter, one, or chapter 3, verse 1, it says that the serpent came to Eve and said to Eve, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of the tree of knowledge? Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. A theological gymnast is not somebody who asks questions. Everybody needs to ask questions. That's how you learn. That's how you learn. But when someone is asking questions in an attempt to justify their sin, those are the people you need to be aware of. And I could give you lots of examples of that, and I'm not going to do it today, but I could give you an example. I could give you lots of examples. It's happening in the church all over today. Where people are are asking questions. Did God really say in an effort to justify sin, Don't do that. Run from that. And finally, what I would say to you is this. Gravitate towards those who exhibit the fruits of humility and obedience. First service, somebody came up to me and they said, said, you know, um, 
another, we were fruit inspectors, right? Have you ever heard that said? I'm sure you have. And, that, and that's, that's absolutely the truth. If you look in Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's all good. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. But I will tell you that there are people in the world today who are weeds who exhibit some of those fruits. So how do you tell the difference? That's what I'm saying is that sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between a wheat and a tear. I will promise you this. Listen to me. Two words that have never been used to describe the devil and his minions are humility and obedience. Because they are antithetical to who the devil is. Humility and obedience. Walking in the Spirit Realizing you're not that smart and you're not that good, and Jesus is, is the place to start and is the place to, to begin to discern the difference between a wheat and a weed. So my question for all of you this morning is this, which are you? Friends, I'm going to tell you the truth. There's been lots of times in my life when I've probably been more weed than I have been wheat. So I could have rightfully asked the question, which one am I? And really the only thing that, is, that has been a defining line in me is that I knew that I knew that I had confessed Jesus as my Lord. You see, you have to make that conscious decision. You've got to. It's not good enough to presume it. It's not good enough to read your Bibles. That's good. It's not good enough to pray. That's good. You have to make the conscious decision to invite Jesus to be your Lord. Now what does that look like? It begins by confessing that you're a sinner and you are. The next step is by asking God to forgive you of your sins, and He will, and He has. And step three is to invite Him into your heart. To sit on that throne, to be in charge, to be your Lord, to be obedient to Him as Lord. Humility and obedience. If you've never made that decision, if you've never prayed that prayer and you'd like to, Um, You don't need me to pray that prayer. You can pray that prayer all by yourself. But if you'd like to pray that prayer with your pastor, right over there is our prayer room. If there's something else going on in your life that you'd like prayers for, I will be right over there.